No my hearty my Kitene Hortaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman here. Great to be with you. Car companies are spending almost four times more advertising the large gas guzzlers. This is the SUVs, the Utes. Forty percent of New Zealand's emissions come from transport. Why do we love the SUV so much? They're on the panel. Banks could do more to open doors to home ownership. Is it time for banks to give a little back? They're on the panel today. And whether Wellington should have household water meters. When Carpety introduced them, there was a 97% drop in water being lost to leaks. Also today, we had such wonderful responses on your wedding proposal stories last month. This time, today at 4.25, how did you first meet? At a bar, on a cruise ship, waiting in the queue, if you've got a cool story for us, love to hear it. Always fascinated in hearing how people first met their loved one. You can text me, 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me for their views, their opinions, Georgie Stiliano, director at Wellington Government Firm BRG, former political staffer, host of Three Gals, One Beehive. Georgie, <laughs> kia, ora. kia ora. Wallace, thanks for having me. Pleasure. Sir Ian Taylor, also today, Managing Director and Founder of Animation Research Limited. Sir Ian, good to have you back on the panel. It's wonderful to be back, Wallace. I thought you'd forgotten me. (laughs) Oh, never, 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 never. Yeah, yeah. Jesse Mulligan yesterday, Wallace Chapman today. I'm on the up. (laughs) (laughs) You certainly are. Nice to have you here. Georgie, Sir Ian, with me today. Now, are you... Jane Austen fans, this is a piece on Newsroom. Jane Austen is so great, she's hardly a writer, more an industry. Dunbar Sloan have three titles for auctioning, including her first novel, Sense and Sensibility. Just 750 copies originally printed. Get this, the starting bid... 30,000. Estimates have it up to 80,000, possibly. With us is Anna Dunshee from Antiquarian Booksellers, has been in the industry for nearly 40 years. Anna, kia ora. Hello, hello. Well, <laughs> yes, bidding begins tomorrow morning. I can imagine there'd be quite a market around the world for Jane Austen originals. Oh, most definitely there is. Even the sets of hers, which are later editions, are very popular. Um, the trick of it is the value depends largely on the condition. Oh. It might be uh, the first issue, the, fir- the first edition, the first issue, and all complete. But if the binding isn't quite... Um, Original, uh, which it appears to be in this case. I've looked at the photos. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it is not. It needs rest- restoration. That is a minus uh, against the price. However, you know, they are extremely rare. Um, but um, it's always difficult when the, when the books are not in, the, you know, totally pristine condition. Yes, yeah, so it all comes down. It all comes down to condition. 
Um, uh, 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 we've got a panel with it, and they they may be rare book collectors. Have you got a first edition somewhere at your home, Georgie? I do not. But no, um, earlier this year, I, I was actually I love a bit of amateur dramatics, and so I got involved with a local production of Pride and Prejudice, and we had the Jane Austen Society show up to our oh, Saturday wow. matinee. And I just thought I'd ask you, Anna, what is it about Jane Austen that's just made her kind of almost this cult following just mm. keep going and going? Well, uh, I think she was um, not named to begin with. Um, uh, that, that's part of it, perhaps. But also her, her books are extremely good, mm. as are uh, Dickens. But Dickens was published in more quantity. You, it's much easier to find a set of Dickens's work, and even more so uh, Walter Scott and Thackeray's oh. work, than Jane Austen. They're all sort of roughly... Victorian um, authors, but that is the trick. Mm. And also, you know, it's the quality of the the writing of, of her written word. You know, the the way the novel novel reads and everything else. Just a little bit like George Eliot, who is extremely well regarded as a as a writer. So there's all those sort of things. First of all, it's got to be a a, a classic, which becomes a classic because it's so well written. And then people read read a paperback, or perhaps, or watch a television show, or you know, more advanced than that, perhaps they've read them, and then they decide, oh, look, I, I quite like to see an early version of this, and you wouldn't necessarily know it's in four volumes or three volumes. Yeah, so, well, that's what I studied at uh, Target University, and I I studied George Eliot, loved it uh, in my literature yeah. course. Uh, Ian Taylor, what about you? You've got a first edition uh, um, stuck somewhere in the cupboard. I, I don't, but I thought it was worth having a look. You know, um, Sense and Sensibility, the book that is up for sale. Um, yes. Jane Austen was paid one hundred and ten pounds for it. Um, her Entire earnings after tax was £575. And, mm. you know, we're looking here in that article, um, a book in England sold last year for £375,000, which I guess just highlights once again that um, artists, just true artists, just don't live long enough to benefit from their no, great, great work. No. <laughs> no. And um, you're, you know, there is that one in, in Wellington, which is is, is, a, is a great thing to have, but uh, the one in England that sold for you know ten times more, uh, you would have found that, that the binding was in extremely uh, fabulous condition. And oh, I see. So uh, that is the trick. It's it's all about condition in the end. Once you've passed the the other goals of, of being a Top writer. Somebody's tried to ring me. I'm afraid. That's all right. Uh, no, yeah. Austin. Austin died at a very young age, but I mean, it was really interesting. She still died living with relatives because she couldn't afford to live alone. Oh. It's sad, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, terrible. Well, a little like Catherine Mansfield. I mean, yes. possibly became very popular because, oh, apart from her skill at writing, of course. But um, you know, her era was um, people like, or maybe Somerset Maugham or. Um, uh, Lawrence and uh, others, but there's a lot of her um, when she died in, in 1922, I think. Um, she um, there were a lot of uh, upcoming authors that you never hear about again. So it's the quality of the writing first, and then you 
ideally try and find the best. Can I ask you, can I ask you, Anna, is there a market in this country for this type of uh, first edition? I mean, it's quite a lot of money. Mind you, people do pay a lot for, uh, say, New Zealand art, if it's maybe Colin McCann or something, but is there a market for this type of product? Well, yes, I think so. Um, Talking about Colin McCann, um, we put together collections of uh, New Zealand books from the first one in 1806, mm. uh, uh, which is uh, Savage's uh, account of New Zealand. 1807, actually, I've got that wrong. <laughs> and um, there's, there's hundreds of probably solid books up until um, 1899, 100 books, for instance, that. And you can buy something like that or with the maps complete and nice bindings and everything can correct correct with it <clears throat> for the price of a Colin McCann. And to my mind, you know, maybe uh, that's something for the future generation. No, oh, um, so interesting. Uh, gosh, yeah. it's uh, be interesting to see what because it's the the bidding opens tomorrow morning. So it'll be interesting, Anna, to see uh, what it uh, gets to. I might email you uh, either with sadness or joy. <laughs> uh, but either way, thanks for um, being on the panel this afternoon. It's Anna Dunsheaf there no from. Ed DeQuere and booksellers there, Jane Austen. Well, um, wonderful stories of how you first met. We met on stage cast as star-crossed lovers in a Shakespearean spoof in a theatre group, married within five months of meeting each other. Being an older couple, got married in a small rest home, which I was managing at the time. Residents were the congregation, which they loved. So thank you. Keep those coming. How did you first meet? Very simple question. 2101 to text. Georgie Stiliano, I've been thinking. Well, look, maybe it's just because of this gloomy spring weather that we're having, especially here in the capital. But I've been thinking about how boring this election campaign has been and how, frankly, uninspiring. And I, I know that the two major parties are both trying to hook onto this back to basics, get the back to basics, get the foundations right. But I've just found it really bleak. And just um, this morning, I was listening to a, a favourite political podcast of mine um, out of the UK, The Rest is Politics, and they've done this interview with Chris Hipkins. And one of the hosts, who's a former Tory cabinet minister from the UK, Rory Stewart, he said something that I just thought, that is it. He said he'd looked across the major parties' policy platforms and found that it was all, quote, rather 1990s, and that it was the type of campaign that we could have seen easily 30, 40 years ago. And I just think that is how a lot of my peers especially are feeling and everyone is just looking around thinking that the offerings are are pretty bland and we've got a lot of undecided voters and I think there's a real risk that turnout could could take a bit of a dive and I suppose my message here is I just hope that once we get a government that there is a bit more ambition and vision than what has been um, spouted on the campaign. Don't see the ambition on stage before you What, what did you make of that Ian? Um, I agree. I agree. It just seems to be there seems to be a huge lack of kind of some inspiring vision that we could all, you know, um, align with. Mm. It, it just seems to go from one thing to another without any inspiration. What do you want? I mean, policies are coming out left, right, and centre, Georgie. They're cr- 
crap, let's be honest. Like across the board, there's nothing new, there's nothing future focused. It's all incredibly mundane and we keep going round and round in this loop of we need better infrastructure, we need better this. Well, we're either going to have, we have to spend more money, which probably means we have to borrow. Um, so I just sort of feel like we just keep having these same conversations and I think it just switches a lot of people off. Yeah, interesting to see what our listeners think of that. Uh, do you do you see a lack of vision uh, in this election campaign? Uh, your thoughts uh, on that? All right, very good. Georgie Stiliano there. Uh, so Ian Taylor, I've been thinking. So I've been thinking, well, actually been wondering. I've been wondering whether Matu or Winston Peters, um, maybe it was his age that, that sort of had him not think when he looked, talked about the term indigenous and the fact that Māori aren't indigenous, that you know, I would have thought that maybe he would have known how to use ChatGPT. Obviously, he didn't, so I used it. And um, I came up, the term indigenous refers to people, communities or groups who are the original inhabitants of a particular region or territory, and their presence precedes the arrival of other external groups such as colonisers or settlers. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds very much like... Um, the position our Polynesian Tupuna found themselves in when they arrived here, Kupia arrived here, around about 500 years before Captain Cook. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what he was thinking when claiming they, they weren't Indigenous. And he, he used this incredible thing, because now he's Māori as well, and so he referred to his own waka coming from Hawaii and seemed to forget the the real world where the story of human migration began out of Africa 60,000 years ago. So apart from the people of Africa whose lineage goes back 60,000 years, everyone else travelled to where they are today. So I'm not sure what he was thinking, but um, I I think if you think that ChatGPT, there's lots of, um, um, I suppose, versions of what Indigenous means, but ChatGPT scans the entire internet and it perfectly described Māori in New Zealand. Right. Yep, very interesting, Ian. Got to give it to him, though. If he is part of the government after the election, because, you know, uh, the latest polls, he will have helped form 40% of all governments in the MMP era. Uh, Amazing, Cole, isn't it? Uh, I mean, that's just it. Whatever one makes thinks of Winston Peters, mm-hmm. that is absolutely extraordinary. Um, or scary. Well, uh, yeah, or extraordinary. I mean... That's got to be in it. You're achieving focus there, Ian. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I think, you know, I guess we do come to it. But, um, you know, one of the things that does highlight um, one of the, I guess, downsides of MMP, because, you know, this is a time where, and we do need vision, we do need action, we do need positive um, actions moving forward. And yet, you know, we're going to be reliant on minority groups coming together. Very good. Uh, Sir Ian Taylor, uh, George Estudiano, loving the responses of how did you first meet today on the panel.